Welcome to Vegan Business Talk with Katrina Fox, author of Vegan Ventures, Start and Grow an Ethical Business. Hello and welcome to episode 137 of Vegan Business Talk. I'm Katrina Fox, journalist, author and PR consultant and founder of Vegan Business Media, a content events and training platform providing success strategies and resources for vegan business owners and entrepreneurs. Firstly, a quick announcement. I get a lot of people contacting me asking how they can work with me. So this is a little plug to let you know that I offer a range of services to vegan and plant-based business owners and entrepreneurs. From online training and group coaching to PR, content creation and copywriting services and one-on-one tailored individual private consultations. So if you're wanting help to promote or grow your vegan business, brand, product, service, book or other creative project, head over to veganbusinessmedia.com and click on the Work With Me menu link for more details. Now for the main part of the show. In this episode, I'm sharing a talk I gave last year at the World Vegan Day Festival in Melbourne, Australia, called Will Vegan Capitalism Save the World? Now, it's a bit of a controversial topic, but it's one worth exploring because multinational corporations not known for their ethics in regards to animals, people or planet are jumping on the plant-based trend, bringing out their own animal-free versions of popular products, investing in vegan businesses or buying vegan companies. Now, one of the issues that keeps coming up in discussion is the impact this will have on independent ethical vegan businesses. For example, renowned vegan bakery store Ms. Cupcake in the UK has just announced it will be closing the doors to its Brixton location in London, saying that after 10 years, it had achieved its goal of making vegan products mainstream, and customers could now buy vegan treats and cakes and cupcakes at the supermarket nearby. In this 20-minute talk, I look at the pros and cons of large corporations getting in on the vegan and plant-based trend, what it means for independent ethical vegan businesses and what they need to do to stay ahead of the game, what we need to ultimately happen and how that's starting, and more. Here's the talk on Will Vegan Capitalism Save the World? So the topic of my conversation today is a little bit controversial. When I posted about it on social media, there was certainly quite a lot of heated debate. So the topic of the talk is, will vegan capitalism change the world? First, I'd like to say that my background is not one of uh, being a lover of capitalism. It's not even a background in business, unlike Phil, who spent a lot of his working life in business. I very much come from a social justice background. I've been involved in the feminist movements, queer rights movements, and of course, animal advocacy. In June 1999, I went on the first J18, whoops, um, anti-globalization, anti-capitalism marches. This took place in London, where I'm from, you can tell by the accent. So I very much come from a social justice background. And, next slide please. And I've written for mainstream media, niche media, on the topic of animal advocacy and other social justice issues. However, four years ago, 
I got interested in entrepreneurship and particularly vegan entrepreneurs because, of course, I'm a consumer of vegan products. Having been vegan for 22 years, I want to make sure that I buy vegan products and support vegan businesses. So I wrote the book called Vegan Ventures, How to Start and Grow an Ethical Business to give people resources on how to go about doing that. I host a podcast called Vegan Business Talk where I interview amazing vegan entrepreneurs from around the world on their challenges and uh, their success strategies. So I very much became immersed in this world. And what I've seen happen over the last four years, as I'm sure you all have, is that a lot of multinational corporations and mainstream companies are jumping on the vegan or the plant-based bandwagon. They're either buying vegan businesses, they're investing in vegan businesses, or they're bringing out vegan or plant-based products of their own. So what I'm going to do in my talk today is talk a little bit about the pros and cons of this, what it means for the vegan movement. Let's start with the downsides. I always like to end my talks on an up note, so we'll start with some of the downsides. One of the criticisms that I've seen come about is that particularly when vegans and activists, animal activists, rush into these companies and buy these products, it's supporting and giving a certain kind of legitimacy to these companies. And look, this is a fair criticism, and I don't really have a lot of comeback to that particular one. The other argument I've seen is that companies that bring out plant-based products, when they see the sales of those products go up, they might use the sales of those plant-based products and siphon it over and use it to prop up the sales of their animal-based ones. Now, that may be a valid criticism, but if you think about it, and you know, Phil's a businessman, it'll be interesting to see what, what he might make of it. If you're a business person and you see that one part of your business is doing really well and the other part is not doing so well, it would make sense to actually put your profits more into the one that's actually doing well, in this case, the plant-based ones. Oops, oh, no, just go back one. Um, and this is a quote from Nestle. Now, I am from, I'm not in any way holding up Nestle as any kind of paragon of virtue as a company. We all know about, you know, they've publicly been found to have awful breaches of human rights, animal rights, and the planet. But I thought this was interesting. They recently announced they were considering dropping one of their animal-based charcuterie brands and instead funneling money into plant-based products. And this is a quote from Nestle's CEO, and he says it shows how we are positioning the company towards what is benefiting from higher growth. So I think that's evidence of smart companies saying, okay, the plant-based products are making more money, let's put more money into those and produce more of those. Um, so another company, Tyson. Tyson is one of the biggest meat producers um, in the US, but it's recently rebranded or repositioned itself as a protein company. In other words, it's not wedded to being a meat, an animal meat-based company. They've seen the developments in plant-based meats and also, I think, lab-grown meat, which is a, another topic, but they are not interested in just being an animal-based meat producer, particularly if it's not going to be good for business. So they've rebranded as a protein company. So I think those are two examples of we perhaps need not have to worry that because a company brings out a plant-based product that they're going to use the sales of that to help support the sales of the animal-based ones. One of the criticisms, actually, another of the criticisms is that when people are buying the plant-based or the vegan products from the multinational corporations, it's basically giving more money and more customers to otherwise unethical companies. Now, again, that is um, a fairly valid criticism. And in fact, next slide, please. 
Burger King did report recently in the US, there was a lot of hype over the Impossible Burger, which is the plant-based burger, the Impossible Whopper, that amid all that hype, Burger King did actually see uh, increased sales of their traditional beef Whopper. So it is a, potentially, a potential um, fair point. Next slide. Now, a friend of mine who's a blogger in the UK, some of you may know him, his name's Sean, and he blogs as Fat Gay Vegan. And he actually wrote an interesting blog post where he was looking at some of these issues and he said that perhaps as vegan activists, what we need to be doing is for every time these companies add a plant-based option, get them to take an animal-based option off the menu, which is an interesting thought. Next slide. Now, I recently had a chance to meet Jack Cowan, the founder of Hungry Jack's, at a media launch for a new plant-based protein called V2 Foods. So I went to the media launch, and Jack was just across the, the room. I got there quite early. There wasn't many people there. So like any good animal activist, I thought, I'll take my chances. I'll go over, and I will introduce myself to him. So I went over. I said, hello, Jack. My name's Katrina Fox. I'm the founder of Vegan Business Media. Can I ask you a question? He said, yeah, sure. So I said to him, look, Hungry Jacks is br bringing out a, a vegan Whopper. I should add that um, the parent company of Hungry Jacks, Competitive Foods Australia, provided seed funding for this new plant-based protein, V2, and also CSIRO, government department, was involved in it. So I said to Jack, okay, you've got this plant-based vegan Whopper on your menu. Will you consider taking some animal products off the menu to save the planet? I didn't talk about animals or animal suffering because I thought climate change is a bit of a hot buzzword, you know, it might resonate with him. And this was his response. He said, no, we're not there yet. We're not missionaries. Uh, you know, uh, we're not here to save the world. This is business. We want to make money. We want to have additional customers. We want vegans coming in who haven't previously been able to come in. We want the vegetarians in as well as the meat eaters. Uh, so they have something for everyone. Now, of course, initially, as an animal activist, I was a bit disappointed. But what do you think? I'm going to throw this out to you. What do you think the most important word up there in Jack's response is? Anyone? Loud? It's an interesting one. There's one word. It's an interesting one. The word is yet. He said, we're not there yet. In other words, they're not ruling it out. Okay, so I took heart from that. Also at that launch, when Jack gave his talk, he said that even he was fooled in a taste test between the V2, I think it was their plant-based beef, and then he taste tested animal-based beef. And Jack is from an animal, an animal farming background. He thought that the V2 plant-based beef was animal. So that's quite interesting and a game changer. Also at the launch was the Minister Karen Andrews, the Minister for Industry, Science and Technology. She announced to everyone that she was a committed carnivore. Not just any old carnivore, a committed carnivore. Now I did look to see if she had a tail and a mane and I couldn't see one, but whatever. Um, <laughs> but what was interesting that even she said they had a lot of um, dishes out. They all had the V2 plant-based meat in it. One of them was a kofta dish. And she said, if I didn't know otherwise, I would have thought I'd just eaten a lamb kofta. So I think this is really interesting. We're in kind of quite, quite interesting times that even these people who are so invested in the meat industries are, are starting to have little awakenings and realize that this plant-based thing, this plant-based vegan trend, it's going nowhere because it's the right thing to do. Now, another criticism that I've seen um, 
come about as to, particularly when these companies buy, uh, bring out their own vegan products, is it's taking money away from ethical vegan businesses. Now, again, that is a valid argument. For sure. What I would say to this is that vegan business owners cannot rest on their laurels. You've got to continue to be innovative, to be more creative, bring out products that these mainstream guys cannot yet compete with. Because vegan, independent ethical business owners at the moment cannot compete on price because you, you're not producing in a mass market way. So you've got to try and compete in other ways. The allergy market, for example, I know in the UK, one of the UK's largest uh, and oldest rather vegan chocolate and dairy companies have, have made good inroads in the allergy market. Um, and apparently I found out yesterday, my friend Justin, who I can see is here from Vegan Style, told me apparently there is an allergy market growing in fashion as well. People are allergic to certain things in leather, which is awesome. Um, so let's hope more people get allergic to leather. <laughs> um, but uh, also, I think um, you're not the only vegan shoe store in town anymore. You're not the only vegan cheese in town. So you've got to be more creative and innovative. So I think there are ways that vegan business owners can stand apart. Also tapping into customers who not only want to buy a nice plant-based product or a nice vegan product, but they actually care who is making it. They actually care about the company and their ethics. Now for the positives. As I said, I like to uh, lead, lead on an uh, up point. I've put them all together. Look, at the end of the day, these big multinational corporations, they've all got more resources, more money, more staff, more advertising, and they've got more distribution and sales channels. And what that means is that there is potential for far greater reach of vegan products, both physically, so they're not just in your trendy health stores in the inner city, but they are everywhere. They're in the, the big places, the supermarkets and the suburbs where, where people can buy them. And they also can become more accessible financially because these large companies can compete on price and make the cost of vegan products lower. So I know it's a bit of an ethical trade-off. It's a bit of an ethical dilemma, I think, for us as animal activists, because this is unprecedented. These multinational corporations in the past have never been concerned about vegans or veganism. So the very fact that they're taking this seriously, I think, is really quite exciting. So I think we're in a little bit of a transitionary period. Um, just to give you a couple of examples of that. So Field Roast is a uh, popular vegan Canadian plant-based meat company. They were acquired last year by Maple Leaf Foods, one of Canada's largest meat producers. They experienced in just the past 12 months an 81% year-on-year sales of their products since being acquired. Sweet Earth, another very popular vegan brand, um, got acquired by Nestle. And um, they, what they've done is they've made use of Nestle's distribution networks to get their products sold in thousands more stores. So again, it, it is, it, it's, it's a bit of an ethical dilemma and a challenge, but we can't deny the fact that there are these positives. I've said this before, I think I've said it on this stage before, I've said it in many, many talks and, and in many other places. We must make it easy as possible for people to choose a vegan product or service. We have to. We are not the norm. I'll give an example. When I first went vegan 22 years ago, I was living, still living in the UK, 
and one of my favourite, before I went vegan, one of my favourite snacks was a British Twix. Those of you who don't know what that is, it's basically two fingers with caramel and cookie covered in chocolate. I loved it. So I pulled up to the petrol station, filled up my car with petrol or gas if there's any Americans in the room, went to pay. And you know how at the till they have all the sweets there? And I was standing in the queue and I could see a Twix. Remember, I'd not long been vegan. And I was thinking, oh my God, there's a Twix. Oh my God, I love Twix. Oh, I really want a Twix. Oh my God, I can't have Twix anymore. But then what I did in my head, because I'd been involved in animal activism, I then remembered that the Twix was a result of beautiful, sweet cows being hooked up to milking machines, um, getting mastitis from infected udders, being their female reprodu reproductive systems being hijacked to produce milk for their meant for their babies that we steal, that we don't need, and then their babies get stolen. Then I remembered as well there was a bit of blood and pus um, in there. So the Twix suddenly looked very different, and I didn't want it anymore. But the majority of people are not going to do that, right? We are not the norm. I'm special. I wear vegan glitter boots, okay? From vegan style, I should say, here in Melbourne. Um, so we're not the norm. We have to remember that. As animal activists, I know that we get very carried away, and when we see the light, we think immediately everybody else, as soon as they know about the atrocities going on, that they're going to immediately become vegans and they'll go without rather than choose a meat-based product. The majority of people won't, so we must make it easy for them to go vegan and to choose vegan. Now, the good news is that more and more people who describe themselves as meat lovers are becoming more open to plant-based alternatives. So this is an event that I was at earlier this year in Sydney. It was part of the Good Food Festival. And it was a vegan Cajun and Creole event. So all the food provided uh, was by a vegan chef, plant-based chef, um, Shannon Martinez from Smith & Daughters and Smith & Deli in Melbourne. And there was a big brass band and uh, there was an amazing array of delicious food. Now, I went along on my own and I was seated on a table with these two women. So they're both friends. The one in the middle describes herself as vegetarian and aiming to be vegan. And the one on the left, as you're looking, uh, said that, she said to me, oh, look, I'm sorry, but I'm a, a big meat lover. So I said to her, can I ask you a question? And she said, yes. So I said, if you could eat meat, or if you could eat a product that tasted like meat, looked like meat, smelled like animal-based meat, sizzled, felt, like literally mimicked animal-based meat in, in every way, would you eat it? But was made of plants, would you eat it? And she said, yeah, I would. And then she said to me, I really love ribs. She said, if you can replicate the whole experience of eating ribs in a vegan way, I'd be really open to that. So I think we can take heart from that, uh, that people really are becoming uh, much more open to, to eating these plant-based analogues that really mimic um, animal-based meat. Now, I might be being optimistic, but I like to think that if we can show these large multinational corporations that acting in an ethical manner means profits for them, then they will move towards creating animal-free products and products that are, are ethically made. Um, at the end of the day, money talks. And I think this is going to be really important for us to continue to educate the public, to keep up the drive in the sales of plant-based products, plant-based meats, dairy products, and, and other products, of course. 
So I think that's the way we're going to do it because if they can then see, oh, okay, people want to buy ethically made products, this is where our sales are, let's invest more money in that and hopefully phase out their animal-based products. Now, we're already seeing that happening uh, to some degree in the US, for example, um, Elmhurst Dairy in New York, which was the one of the East Coast's largest dairy producers, saw its profits go down, the business wasn't really working, and so they closed the entire animal-based dairy um, farming practices and switched to creating only plant-based beverages. And then just this year, 2019, I don't know if I'm going to pronounce this right, Guacamatsi Dairy in California, which is one of California's largest uh, dairy producers, has announced that it too is going to close down and instead shift to nut-based farming. So we're starting to see this happen, which is fantastic. So right now, I think we need a combination of both. We need, of course, ethical, independent, vegan businesses, and we also need the multinational corporations. I think we're in a transitionary period where vegan and plant-based products have really taken off. Um, so I, I think we need both at the moment to continue that growth. Ultimately, though, of course, we want to scale up vegan companies. We want the money flowing into ethical vegan owned companies. And we're seeing that happening now. I think it's really exciting. There are now a whole range of vegan and vegan friendly investors who really want to support vegan and plant based businesses. If you go to Vegan Business Media website, which is veganbusinessmedia.com, there's a blog post on there called How to Find an Investor for Your Vegan Business. And I've got a whole list of vegan and vegan-friendly investors, uh, including the types of businesses they're interested in investing in and how to pitch them. Now, I'm just going to highlight a couple of those. In the middle top here, uh, we've got Alicia Robb. Um, and Alicia has created an organization called Vegan Investors. And they run regular online virtual pitch events. And what I really like about Alicia is that she's very keen to, to invest in businesses that are run by women and also people from other backgrounds who've been traditionally overlooked uh, by investors such as people of colour and gender diverse people. But she's really interested and keen to support businesses, vegan businesses that are going to have a massive impact. Uh, because she wants to create, help to create that vegan economy. And next to her as well, we have got uh, Claire Smith. Now, uh, Claire created, with her team, created the world's first vegan exchange traded fund, which launched on the New York Stock Exchange earlier this year. And uh, Claire also is going to be launching in 2020 the Beyond Animal uh, platform, which is an integrated digital platform that's designed to create and support a vegan economy. So there's some really exciting things happening in this space and it's fantastic to see money flowing into uh, ethical vegan companies. So I think it's a time to be positive, regardless of what your thoughts are around capitalism. And as I've said, it's not a perfect system, but it's what we've got right now. And I think it's important to make the most of that work as ethically as possible and get that money flowing into vegan companies and getting vegan products and services out to the masses. That's going to be the way that we create a vegan world. 
So that's the end of the talk. As I mentioned, it is a bit of a hot potato topic and I'd love to get your feedback. Do you agree with my conclusions or not? Feel free to drop me an email to katrina at veganbusinessmedia.com or DM me on Twitter to at Katrina Fox. And I may read out your response on a future episode. Now for some vegan business news highlights. A new Dairy Alternatives Awards will be presented at SXSW Future Food Expo in Austin, Texas next month. That's 2020 if you're listening in the future. Olivia Fox Cobain, founder of the Global Alternative Food Awards, also known as the Gaffers, has created the Dairy Gaffers, which will feature plant-based and cell-based dairy products from around the world. Cell-based human breast milk, so that means cultivated, cell-based or lab-grown human breast milk created without the human, has been developed by two companies, both of which will be competing in the milk category, along with banana milk, lotus blossom milk, potato milk and many more. Vegan cheeses are starting to come into their own and shake up the industry in the same way that next-generation plant-based meats from the likes of Beyond Meat and Impossible Foods have done. The 2020 Dairy Gaffers categories include milk, cheese, butter, yogurt and frozen. The event takes place on Saturday, March 14th, 11am to 4pm at the WeWork Food Lab in the SXSW building in Austin, with an expected attendance of more than 600 people over the course of the day. You can find out more at thegaffers.com, and that link is on the show notes page for this episode. I love this! Awards are great for recognising innovation and it's important that they're part of major events like this one as it helps to make them more mainstream. Fantastic. Journalist and animal activist Jane Velez Mitchell has a new cooking show set to air on public television stations in the spring in the US. Again, that's 2020 if you're listening in the future, and is currently available now to watch on Amazon Prime Video. The former host of CNN Headline News, HLN, who now runs her own vegan and animal advocacy media outlet, Jane Unchained, has created New Day, New Chef, a fast-paced cooking show featuring eight episodes of fun, delicious, easy vegan recipes. Each episode features a different celebrity co-host, new chefs and a fresh panel of taste testers eager to sample the dishes. Among the guests are Olympian Dotsie Bausch, NBA legend John Sally, Vanderpump Rules star and trans activist Billy Lee, Star Trek Into Darkness actor Gianna Simone and Spongebob and Family Guy voice actor Laurie Allen. You can find out more information on New Day New Chef at newdaynewchef.com and that link is also on the show notes page for this episode. How fantastic is this? I love Jane and her work and it's great to see her back on mainstream TV. Now you may remember I reported about a new cooking show in the UK on a mainstream network by the Bosch guys, so it looks as if we're finally making inroads with these broadcasters to encourage more people to cook and eat vegan. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> 
So that's it for this episode of Vegan Business Talk. I hope you enjoyed it and found it useful. If you like the show, please give it a review on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening on as it helps to get it seen by more people. There are more free resources on the veganbusinessmedia.com website to help you in your quest to build and sustain a successful business. And if you'd like to work with me personally on promoting and growing your vegan business or brand, you'll find details on how to do this on the website at veganbusinessmedia.com and clicking on the Work With Me menu link. Thank you so much for tuning in and I look forward to catching up with you on the next episode of Vegan Business Talk. Bye for now.